After missing out on competing in three Olympic Games due to injury, athlete Eloise Wellings was finally able to live out her dream of stepping onto the track at the London Olympics in 2012. I met with Eloise in her local area of Cronulla and we spoke about the ups and downs of her running career, how God used her missing out on her first Olympics to bring her to faith and the Love Mercy Foundation which she co-founded with fellow athlete Julius Hachon. Love Mercy Foundation seeks to empower communities in Uganda to overcome poverty caused by the devastation of civil war. I'm Carl Faze and this is my interview with Eloise Wellings. So Eloise, we're down here just uh, up near South Cronulla. So why is this important for you? Uh, this is my this is my stomping ground. This is where this is my office. <laughs> um, it's not my oval office. It's, it takes many shapes depending on what what route I run. But um, yeah, I run along the Esplanade here most days as part of my training. And um, yeah, it's 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 where all the work's done. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a tough place to do your work. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, last winter I was injured. Funny that we're looking at Shelley Pool. Last winter yeah. I was injured and. I, every day I got in that pool and deep water ran for an hour wow. and it was, um, it was brutal. So <laughs> sometimes it's not that fun. It's, it's and not I was, that nice. I was like, it was actually more torturous than that because I could see, I could watch people, other people running pain-free, I'm guessing, <laughs> along the Esplanade and I'm like running in the water in this freezing cold water, shivering, but. It's I think it's fairly do. generous that anybody running along there is running pain-free. Oh, uh, yeah. They're probably not. It's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, woe is me. The, but, um, yeah. The outcome of all your hard work was actually getting to, the, to like, competing at an international level. And mm -hmm. one of those was the London Olympics. Yeah. What was that like walking out on the London Olympics? Uh, it was amazing. It was, I felt... It was honestly it's so cliche, but my my dream was coming true in that moment, walking out to that start line. I was just having all of these, I remember having all of these flashbacks of um, the moments that I'd really had to fight for, for this moment of, of standing on the starting line at my first Olympics and all the injuries and the heartbreak and the setbacks that I'd gone through, all the disappointments, all the times that I wanted to quit all the times that I was on crutches and all the times that I was running in freezing cold water and cross training and, you know, just continuing to just push on and believe yeah. that, um, that one day my, my chance would come up and my opportunity would come up and I'd be able to live my dream. And When people see you walking out with the uniform on ready to compete, they don't really think about all that, do they? No, I probably not. Um, but it's what I think about now of other athletes. I always like it's, it's, I make it my mission after I compete at major championships to go and, you know, seek out and make friends with other athletes and find out their story because I just find it so intriguing and inspiring, the, the story, the backstories of the athletes that um, find themselves at the pinnacle of sport, the pinnacle of um, their event and um, what it what it took to, to get there. Yeah. Hey, um, when did you start running competitive? Like every kid runs. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. did you start running competitively? Well, I was about five years old when um, I started running. My mum was a really good runner. Um, my uncle was a good runner. So I was already in the family. And my mum used to run with a group called Billy's Bushies in the National Park um, down where I grew up in Grace Point. And 
yeah, she just used to run, meet them, those guys at 6am. Um, there's a big group of them and, you know, every now and then I'd, I'd, I'd go with her and run as far as I could and then turn around and, and run home. Yep. And that's how it started for me. I started, then I went onto Little Athletics and kind of kicked off from there. Wow. Do you remember the time where you thought, I could actually make the Olympics or I really want to make the Olympics? Do you remember that thought? Yeah, I do. I remember watching the Barcelona Olympics on TV and I was watching the, the women's distance running events come around. Um, go around because that's what I was really passionate about at Little Athletics. That seemed to what I was mm. kind of edging towards. And I just remember being so inspired by watching those women. And I remember turning to my mum and dad, this is as a 10 year old and saying, oh, I'm going to do that one day. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and then it just became a childhood obsession. Yeah. Is it a, a kind of, is it hard to say that's what I want to do? Because it's a huge goal. Uh, did you ever think, oh, I don't want to say it out loud in case somebody says, oh, you never made it? Or you say to yourself, I never made it? Is there tension there? I think at that point when I was so young, I wasn't, I didn't really fear failing because I hadn't failed really before. You know, it wasn't, it probably wasn't until after I'd failed making my first Olympics that I was afraid to say it again, mm. that I was afraid to go, to give it another go or to make it public that I was that I was trying again because, um, you know, the risk is that there's a, a threat to your identity or a threat yep. to, to other people knowing that you failed or, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, as a kid, it was just like, no, I was so green, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, um, you know, kids, they say all the time, you know, I'm going to fly to the moon. And Did I, feel like, I feel like as adults, we should be, we should release a bit, a bit more of that freedom yeah. more often. Is that your biggest disappointment, not getting to those Olympics at first? Um, the first Olympics, which, which was in Sydney, um, I mean, I missed out on three before I finally made London, um, all through injury and all through, you know, devastating, disappointing setbacks. But I learned so much throughout each of them. And like, I came to faith. I came to, to become a Christian um, after I missed out on my first Olympics. And then, you know, learned so many other lessons about myself and grew in resilience. And I mean, at the time, no one can tell you that this is gonna be good. <laughs> no one can tell you that missing yeah. out on Olympics and being injured and, you know, having to cross train and do all of the things that you hate to do um, is gonna be good. Yeah. And, you know, but God always brings something good out of those times. When you say you learnt lessons, are they lessons that you learn about how you train and run or are they lessons about your own heart? Both. Um, you know, I learn, learn lessons about how I can practically do things differently and mistakes that I might have made or things that I can do to potentially avoid the same thing happening in the future. Um, and I work with my coach and, you know, um, my training partners to kind of unpack that. And then move forward. I don't think you can dwell on the mistakes too long um, and then make, this, make those changes and then move forward. And then in terms of the heart side, you know, you, you get to find out what you're capable of and what, you know, what you're made of by going through those times and coming through them. And I think you, from learning that, it gives you strength, um, you know, to to get through another hard time or something else outside of running or, you know, things like that. So what is it like to represent Australia 
like they're putting on the kind of Australian uniform. What does that feel like? Yeah, it's an honour. It's, it's, I don't know, there's, there's something about it that makes me go to another level, putting on the, the green and gold. There's something, I've always been able to, to get the best out of myself um, when I've competed for Australia and when I'm wearing those colours, there's something not just, um, this, it's, it's not trivial to me. It doesn't get lost, the fact that I'm, I'm competing and I'm representing my country. It's it, it, what I love to do and um, it's an honour and, you know, a privilege. Yeah. You said that missing out on the Olympics caused you to, to come to personal faith. Mm. What, what was the process in that? What happened? Yeah, so I was 16 when I qualified for my first Olympics. I was in year 11 at school and... You know, running was who I was. It was, you know, it was everything to me. It was, it was because I was good at it. That's why I was, I, I thought that's why I was popular. And that's why I was, um, you know, that's why I liked myself, yeah. essentially. Um, and then it was taken away. And I, you know, I, I was going to miss the Olympics and I was devastated. And um, I got really, really down and discouraged. And I thought that, you know, I grew up in a, um, a Catholic family and we went to, to church every Sunday and, and I still had this really warped sense of who God was. I thought that God was punishing me um, through my injury for something that I'd done wrong. And um, yeah, one, one, one day at school, I was sitting on my own at lunch and it was soon after that I'd just been told that I would miss the Olympics through this injury and, and a, a new girl came over her name was Lisa and she sat beside me and she said, hey, I just want you to know that I've been praying for you and that um, I've got some friends from church praying for you. We, we, I heard about what happened with your injury and she said, I'm just believing that God's got a great plan for you and that everything's going to work out. Wow. And I think it just, in that moment, it just really touched me that, that God, that she had this idea of God that... Um, that she could pray to him for something so trivial as my, as my injury. Even though it was a big deal to me, I thought that God was so far away from it. Um, I didn't realise that he cared. And so, yeah, I went to church with my new friend Lisa and I, I heard the gospel. I heard about Jesus. And, yeah, right, you know, after, after a couple of weeks, I, was, uh, I, I decided that this is what I wanted to live for. Yeah. I wanted to live for Jesus and I wanted to... Um, I wanted to become a Christian. How did that change? Did you run faster? No. <laughs> I mean, it didn't, it, it's not, all of my problems didn't just disappear. My injury didn't get all of a sudden get better, um, although it did over time. Um, but it meant that in my heart, regardless of what happened in running, regardless of uh, what happened with what I did, uh, I was still loved and I was made whole and um, and I was given a new identity in Christ, you know. I was, before that I was, my whole value and my worth was wrapped up in running and my, out, like the outcome and the results was so, so important to me um, in terms of my identity and who I was. Um, but realizing who Jesus was and having a revelation of who he is and how much he loves me and us 
um, that was a game changer yeah. Yeah. because it meant that I, it would free me up to do what I was passionate about and what he had given me the gift to do without uh, the threat of losing my identity each time I did that. So deciding to follow Jesus, it wasn't like you lost your competitive edge or your hunger for doing well. It just changed your perspective. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It, no, none of that left. It's still, <laughs> still as competitive as ever. Um, but it meant that I was able to, I was able to do more of that. I was able to like fully express myself as Eloise and as a, as a runner and as an athlete, as, an, as a person, um, without the threat of losing my identity in Christ, without the threat of losing my worth and my value because of the result or because of a bad day. Mm. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media. Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. You're now a mum, you've got two kids. How does that influence the Um, whole competitive experience oh my gosh my daughter is so scarily so much like me India she's seven almost eight and our card games at home it's just <laughs> off the charts um but I mean yeah they they have brought so much perspective mm. to my running career and to you know our lives in general and they bring so much delight and humor and craziness and chaos and yeah, just, I don't know. I hope that them watching me and, and my husband, John, cause he's got his own like creative, like crazy creative gifts and vision. Um, but I hope them watching us like chase after what we love to do allows them to, you know, believe that they can do hard things as well. Your, your life is either totally stretched or very balanced in the sense you've got your competitive side you're a, you're a wife you're a mum you've got Christian faith do they ever come in conflict or do you find that that they all sort of support each other uh, I think they probably do I've probably just gotten used to it now that's a really hard question I think yeah definitely like things get messy like all the time but I think just realizing that this is a part of our lives and part of not only what we're called to, but what, what we actually really enjoy doing and what we've, you know, it's a full life, but it's like most of the time it's, it's joyful. Wow, that's great. You actually have found t- time to start a new organisation called Love Mercy. What started you thinking about that as an option? Um, I never thought that I would be working in Africa uh, and... Uh, standing alongside people through a foundation in, in Africa, I met 
another athlete, Julius Aichon. Um, he's Ugandan and it was actually through missing out on my third Olympics. Um, my third attempt at making the Olympics, I flew over to America. Um, I had an injury and it was this last ditch attempt to rehab this injury. And uh, I stayed in this house that other international athletes were staying at. And it was there that I met Julius. And we just became immediate friends. We had the same sense of humor. He's, he's um, a, a great runner and we, um, we just got chatting. We would go to training each, each day together and he began to tell me his story of, um, of his community in Northern Uganda and his story of where he had come from being born into poverty and and um, captured by LRA rebels um, during the war in northern Uganda and um, and then his miraculous story of getting through that and um, and going on to compete at two Olympic Games and he, he shared his vision with me of wanting to go back to his community to start some community development projects to help people get back on their feet and um, yeah, we just, our, our friendship just kept evolving and we ended up going to Julius and, White, and Grace's wedding in Uganda and um, and we decided that we would start the, the Love Mercy Foundation to, um, you know, Julius asked for our help in, in terms of getting things off the ground to, to help people in his village and start these um, these projects. And So what, how do you help people in Uganda? Um, the th our three main projects are a, a medical clinic called the Christina Health um, Care Centre, um, which is named after Julius's mother, who was is tragically killed during the war, um, and a water well program, uh, which we started three years ago. So far, we've drilled um, 35 wells um, in northern Uganda, and um, which is obviously having a, a massive impact on, on clean water. We just, we just believe that everyone deserves the dignity of, of, of clean water. And, uh, and then our third program is a Sense for Seeds program, which is a microloan program that is run primarily with women and it empowers women to create their own livelihood through farming. Yep. Um, they're able, able to put 12 months worth of food on the table through one loan of seeds. Um, is there, is there a way of working out how many families or people you are helping with the, the wells and the, the seeds? Uh, yeah, I don't, that's a, it's a good question. We actually probably haven't, haven't done all the stats, but we, honestly, we just think about the one. Yeah. We yeah. just think about the one family um, that, you know, the one family that's able to put food on the table through Sense for Seeds um, is enough for us. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, through I'm sure through the last 11 years since we began, there's been, you know, potentially tens of thousands. Uh, I know that it was estimated that there's around 84,000 children going to school as a result of their parents now able to pay for their school fees through Sense for Seeds. Um, so that that's that sort of statistic is really impacting because that's not us. That's them. Yeah. That's them being empowered and, and able to to use the resource, the soil that they've got. It's really just us sharing our resource um, and standing alongside them, them in that. Julius must be a pretty interesting guy because if you think about being captured by rebels, 
uh, living in poverty, yet making it to the Olympics, which is quite remarkable, but then still having a heart for his own nation. What's his motivation there? Uh, he's, well, he hit it on the head. He, he just has a, a great heart for, for people, you know? He, he always has, and um, he's incredibly resilient and incredibly, um, he's humble and he's, uh, yeah, courageous. And yeah, he, he could have stayed in America and lived, you know, a comfortable life with, um, you know, his running career. Um, but he, he decided to turn back and, and go back to Uganda and we honor him for that. And, um, yeah, we, we obviously continue to stand alongside him and support him in his vision. Your faith influenced how you, your attitude towards running and co competition. Does your faith also influence what you do with Love Mercy? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're called as Christians to, to help the poor and it doesn't really get any, it shouldn't be any more complicated than that. And, and to me, help, help can look a number of different ways and Help isn't necessarily, um, you know, going over and, and, and building something, but help can be um, standing alongside someone and believing in the resource and the strength that they already have mm -hmm. um, to go and, you know, to go and give them access to, to opportunities um, that they wouldn't necessarily have had. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're called to do as, as Christians. Eloise, you have two children. Passing faith on to them, how important is that for you? Oh, it's so important. It's, it's so important that they, uh, that they know that they're loved unconditionally by a God who loves them unconditionally. That no matter what, you know, that they are loved, and that they are valued, that they are worthy. That, um, yeah, that's, that's incredibly important to us. Um, and that ultimately they're free. Mm and they're free in Christ. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.